So there's no use talking about the weather when that's going to do absolutely nothing for the problem that's in front of us. So let's deal with that. If we can't fix it straight away, do something to progress it forward to getting it to a fixable state and then move on, get on to the next problem because I can guarantee you there are going to be other problems. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. For more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier for your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. And to get new episodes of Elevate directly to your inbox, sign up at eliteagent.com slash subscribe. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey everyone, it's Sam here. My guest today is the General Manager of Sales for New South Wales and ACT at the agency. With a solid background in sales, he is a very experienced agent, but also an acclaimed auctioneer, evidenced by numerous awards. He calls New South Wales home now after being in the ACT for a very long time. He is known for his personable communication style and continues to list and sell properties alongside nurturing other agents towards success. So Luke Evans, welcome to Elevate. Glad to be here. Wow, that was awesome. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Well, it's really good to have you here, actually. I mean, we only just met a little while ago and you said you were interested in starting your own podcast. So I thought, what better way to get you into podcasting than to have you on mine? (laughs) (laughs) It just worked out well. That was great. No, we met at your AI seminar in Sydney a few weeks ago, which was great. And I think you're going to Canberra with that in a few weeks' time. So get on board with that, guys. It's a great, great thing. And yeah, look, I want to ask you about podcasts. And then you said, why don't we get you on, which is great. So I'm learning and talking at the same time. Can't, uh, Can't do much better than that. Well, that's it. There's nothing like a bit of a baptism of fire or experience yeah. to actually just get you going. But yeah, so let me just ask you quickly about AI-powered agents. So what was your biggest takeaway? Like what were some of the prompts that you learned? Have you used ChatGPT much since? Oh, I've dallied with it. It wasn't something that I would say that I was on like a weekly or a fortnightly basis, but I went in there with eyes wide open. It was something, you know, everyone's talking about it. You've definitely sort of been paving the path with where it's going and what to be like it's a full-time job I don't know how you I was just saying to your affair that I don't know how you keep up with everything but like I just walked away going well hang on chat GPT is like one segment of where we can use this in the business and there's all of this plethora of other options there with video with tech with all this stuff and I probably walked away with more questions which was wow this is like what else is out there but it was a great day it was a big day like a lot of content. I took a lot of notes. I took some of our team with us, as you know, and all of them, like it was just, it was a really, really good day, but it's an eye-opening day. But I think there's definitely, it's going to be more prevalent in business as we move forward. And I walked away with stuff that I didn't even know existed, to be fair. I was like, that that is just unreal where this is going. And, you know, it's where it can save time in the business, add value to the business and all that. Like I just, I was obsessed with it. It's great. And, and now, I'm on ChatGPT every day, learning and how to ask better questions and all those sorts of things, which is awesome. But it was a great day. It was a really, really good day. Yeah, amazing. And I mean, look, it's not going anywhere, is it? It's like the internet. The internet's here to stay too, isn't it? Exactly. So first of all, I mean, given that we don't know each other that well, I just want to ask you like a couple of questions that I ask a lot of agents that come on to Elevate. Firstly, 
How did you get into real estate? Like, did you choose real estate or did real estate choose you? Good question. I remember seeing an auctioneer one day when I was like in year 10 or 11. And I remember thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. And I was very much over school by the end of it. And I didn't necessarily want to go to uni or do any of those tertiary things because I was just a free spirit doing my thing. But then my mum worked in this little shopping center and the real estate office was just down the road. And I remember seeing the branding and I just sent him an email and I was working retail, selling fishing rods at BCF and sent him an email, went in for an interview and had a job seven days later. And that was like 13, 14 years ago. And I'm still friends. Cole McIntyre is a great guy. I'm still friends with him now, best mates with him. And I sort of fell into it. I didn't sort of go into it thinking I didn't know what property management was. I didn't know what tenancy was or sales or contract. I didn't know anything. I was literally fresh, fresh out of school with not the best haircut and a suit that definitely did not fit me. And I just started the cadet process and and then went from there. I sort of, yeah, sorted out, but it sort of chose me, I guess you would say, but I just fell in love with it and just immersed myself in it. And still, I would like to think I'm as passionate today as I was back then because it's a great industry, as you know. Yeah, amazing. And so you went from property management into sales to becoming an auctioneer to becoming like a manager. So can you share a little bit of your journey and how you managed to sort of take that on as a career path? I started reception and I did six weeks at reception and I actually really enjoyed my time on reception. I don't know if the team did because I think I was putting wrong calls through to the wrong people. I don't know if the the team behind the wall thought it was that fun, but I really enjoyed it. And then a little time in property management, which I did not enjoy the property management side. It was a really challenging job and I think property managers have a really important job in the cycle of real estate. But the sales, I was very like, I just had all energy just to learn and I was just obsessed with it. And I used to go to all the training and obsessed. The training wasn't as readily accessible in 2008 or nine, but it was starting to be. And I was just immersed in YouTube and trying to find out what people in the States are doing and in Sydney and Melbourne and all those sorts of things. But I guess there was just a, I guess at the real core of it, just an appetite for growth. And I didn't necessarily know what growth was. I didn't know what it looked like. You know, when I first started, I didn't know what a sales manager was. I didn't know that there was even the job of a sales manager. I didn't know what a listing and selling principle was. They didn't actually know the terminology, but I guess I just wanted to grow. And I think even now, there are days that I don't want to be in the same spot. Like I want to progress. I want to make sure that we're better than where we were last week, last month or last quarter. So it was just always that appetite for growth. And, you know, the auctioneering for, you know, you couldn't shut me up in the office. So they thought that maybe I'd be in a reasonable auctioneer. So they sort of pushed me in that direction. But look, it's just always wanting to get better at something or a different skill set. I've I still try to get a different, like the podcasting thing is a real thing that I'm focusing on at the moment where just get another skill set to add to the list. But I didn't have a plan. I just thought, oh, what's the next progression? And I always, always used to ask a few principals that I've worked with is like, what should my goal be for the next 12 months in terms of business and personal? Like what skill set should I do? What should I be, you know, sharpening? What should I be relearning? All those sorts of things. Like that to this day, like with with Matt LaHood and Jeff Lucas, I'm always asking them like, well, what does that look like in six months? Because that's like, what do you want it to look like? How do I get better? Just to, not obsessed with it because it sounds a bit self-promoting, but I do like learning and I like the growth side of it. So it's always been critical for me. Everyone says to me on this show, even some of the people that have been in the industry for 40 years that, oh, you just mentioned Matt LaHood too. Like, you know, I think he's had 33 years or something in the industry and he's always learning. Yeah, exactly. Look, it's always been a changing industry but it's changing quicker now and more frequently. And that's why 
I feel like people in roles like such as yourself is critical to have a relationship with because you're at the forefront of the new things that are coming in and you've got this massive audience where you can communicate it with, which is great because, you know, like we get busy, like everyone's busy, right? We're managing people, we've got listings, we've got days on market auctions and all those sorts of things. But I just think it's critical to stay up to date because if you get left behind, I think it's you're going to get left behind in a big way where 10 years ago, if you're left behind, you could sort of catch up pretty quick, but you've got to stay at the forefront of that. I think it's critical. Yeah, things move pretty fast. You know, we've just talked about the AI world, but you've had a significant career anyway, like, you know, a lengthy career already. What would you say are some of the major changes that you've seen between when you started in real estate to now? And, you know, like, what do you think makes a really great agent right now? What makes a great agent now, just answering that last part is, I see so many people of all, and I use the word new, not young a lot, because a new person in real estate could be 50. Yeah, young person's always sort of under a certain threshold, which I won't mention on here. I think the agents now, especially with the younger generation, if we identify talent that's got an appetite for growth, a work ethic and good intention and a self-start and self-motivated, that's a great thing because you can coach everything from skill set to dialogue to scripts and all the auctions and floor work and all those sorts of things. But you can't teach a work ethic. It's either in you or it's not. I have seen people shift like over a long period of time. But if you find someone that's actually going to do what you tell them to do. I think there's a lot of overthinking in this business as well. And, you know, there's agents in our business that like, hey, I would go and do this. And then they go and do it and they have success. That's great. Where I think a lot of people get told what to do, then they procrastinate, then they deliberate, then they overthink, then they YouTube it, and then they don't actually execute it. So just a self-starter. But like, and I was guilty. I'm not perfect by any means, but that's where I used to be in that procrastination land. And it's just not a good thing to do. So it's a quick industry. You've got to be quick, speed to execute all those things. But I think that's what makes a great agent. But people skill, like there's probably that top layer and then underneath that is like good intention, people skills, understanding the property, a few things about council and rate, all those building and all those, like there's, they're the skill set, but you want those key attributes are the, are the critical ones to start with, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. You said to me in an email that one of the big lessons that you'd like to give young agents, and you have a real passion for mentoring and coaching young agents, and I'll dig into that in a second. But you said to me, no one is going to choose you unless you choose you first, which I thought was actually really a very poignant expression. Can you tell me what you mean by that and what young agents listening to this should take away? Yeah, look, the amount of, I get calls all the time and what would you do here? Or I've just lost this listing or I've just secured this one. And this is why I got like all of the calls are great. Every moment where a seller or a buyer makes a decision to do one of two things is a lesson for everyone, which is great. But I think some of the, really good agents, I feel, deal with, I don't know whether it's lack of self-confidence or not. I'm just like, I can be quite a blunt person. I sort of just disclose that. Like I can cut through and this is the problem, go and fix it, where I think some coaches might fluff around a little bit with the intricacies of it and then go, "This maybe you should try this. I'm like, no, no, stop that, do this and be a bit blunt. It's a difficult thing because if you're not going to choose you, then don't expect someone else to. Don't expect someone with a four-bedroom ensuite double garage that's downsizing, they've been there for third. Don't expect them to choose you unless you think that you're the best option. Now, when you first start and you're taking those really hard knocks of rejection and disparity, which is difficult, that's hard. But you've just got to get up every day with the sheer focus of adding value, meeting people that you don't know while nurturing the people that you do and choosing you first. And knowing that you are choosing you, but you've also got the process there to be able to 
get in front of the people that you need to get in front of to kick the goals that you want to kick. So there's a lot of agents out there that are going out trying to convince people to go with them where they may self-doubt, procrastinate, whatever it is, self-sabotage, whatever the issues are, because we've all got them. That's where I see the mass. That's where most people, in my opinion, that have come in doing whatever the monetary figure or the number of transactions up to a level of their thought of success, all of them have gone, right, I'm choosing me, I'm doing this, and this is what I'm going to do. And that's the pathway forward. You don't trip over 40 listings a year. You don't trip over 50 or 60 or 70 listings a year. That needs a process, a determined human being, adding value, asking the right questions with the right intention. That's what happens. You can trip over 10 or 12. You really can't. Like if you do a little bit of an ad hoc prospecting plan and you know a couple of people and you went to school in the area, you can do that. But if you really want to build a sustainable sales business that is profitable, that's got momentum, that's an attraction business, you need a process and, you, and nothing is going to come from that except for self-confidence and the confidence to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. So let's role play for a minute. Just pretend I'm an agent and I'm struggling a bit at the moment because as we sort of talked about a number of times this year on the podcast, volumes have been lower. I yep. mean, you've been in a tough, Sydney's been tough, been a real roller coaster. Like they led the boom yep. and then kind of led the decline yeah. and now, yeah. <laughs> and now along with Melbourne coming back out of it again. So, you know, my head's spinning and I'm saying to you, Luke, I just don't know where my next listing's coming from. What is the first thing you would say to me? The first thing I would say is it's not going to fall in your lap and you're going to have to find it is the first thing. And whether that's too blunt or that, that's the first thing I would say. Two things. One is what's your A-grade pipeline look like and what can we do to secure that, whether we've got a do an upgrade or maybe get a bigger signboard or do something off market or something, some incentive to make someone convert to signing a listing agreement. Every single B-grade pipeline prospective seller needs to know something in the market right now that's going to make them make a decision, whether it's a really positive sale result, auction clearance rate, X, Y, Z, whatever they are. I would go through the last 20 appraisals that you did, work out how that you booked those 20 appraisals, and I would do more of the prospecting activities that booked you the, the majority of the 20. I would put a video out there on social media, boost it to your local market saying we're working with three different buyers between 507, 700 and 1.2 and 1.2 and 1.8 that are looking to purchase. Please, you know, All of those things are not going to singularly do something, but they'll blanket it out. But really, it's going to come from within. So my advice to you, Sam, would be don't have a pity party. If you find a listing in the next 24 hours, it's going to be because of the actions that you're going to do, not somebody else. Take me with you. If you're feeling like your energy is really flat, take me on the appraisal with you and I'll come and we can do a whole other coaching session on that. But it's going to be up to you. So you've got a choice whether you pick up the phone and you ring the last 50 people that you've sold houses for, or you've got a choice whether you're not going to do that as well. So you choose which way you want to go. I'll back you 100%. But that's the long and the short of it. Clearly, you have a real passion for mentoring people because that just rolled off then. <laughs> I'm super impressed and I'm just. I almost didn't have time to make a list of all that. <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening's trying, but where does your passion for mentoring people come from? Oh, uh, look, I was very, very fortunate to work with and still talk to my mentors of the past, my past principals and past work colleagues and managers. And I had great mentoring from day one. They gave me their time. They gave me their advice. They gave me their IP. I just learned the right way. So I went from working for a small independent business when I first started to working for the number one LJ Hooker agent for transactions nationally. And he just threw me into his business, but I just like vice versa. And it was just great. We did over 100 transactions a year and I 
did that for five years and it was amazing. So I know what it's like to work in an environment where maybe the motivation and the support's not there. And I've been a product of the right environment can do. And there's no comparison. There's clearly better performance in one. So I think I always remember what it's like to be in a position where I wasn't maybe happy or I wasn't supported or I wasn't encouraged and just try and be everything that I wouldn't want for myself. And some corporates, it's a nine to five role. My role is not a nine to five role. It's six, seven days a week. There's open homes, there's auctions. I'll pick up the phone at eight o'clock at night if somebody needs me. Like that's no issues. So it's always just being the person that I had because the amount of times I called, you know, like I could list them all, but I won't. But the amount of times that I called people and they would answer my phone and they would give me advice at eight o'clock at night if I'm walking into a final, you know, like it was just, they were accessible. And I think that's the best thing a manager can be for you is he's accessible and be there for you when you need it because it's a tough job lounge rooms and buyers and other people's decision influencing on how we feel, the, the worst thing that could happen is the manager doesn't, your boss or your mentor or someone doesn't answer the phone. Like it's just not right. And Matt LaHood's really taught me that as well. Like he's so responsive and all the time, which is, well, I thought I was accessible beforehand and I started working with him. So like I said, growth and just being accessible because the worst thing, if you pick up the phone and ring someone, if you need something and they don't answer, it's pretty debilitating. You know, I was thinking it's like Sydney, with Sydney being such a roller coaster. You do tend to take on people's emotions, don't you? Like there would have been a lot of conversations, particularly in the last 12 months, which would have been around resetting price expectations and things like that. How do you help agents through those types of difficult conversations? You know, you can be as detached as you like from it, but I don't see how it can't affect you when, you know, someone's sitting in their lounge room going, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah, it is hard. I think, look, the big difference between sympathy and empathy, I find, and I, I say that a lot, like if somebody owns a house and they buy another house and they've put themselves where they might go into a bridging finance, I don't have sympathy for them. I have empathy because I understand the situation that they're big people. They've made the decision to do what they've done or buy the house without selling it. Like we need to have empathy. We need to be aware of it. We also need to remove the emotion out of it as well. So if the house is worth 1.9, and the owner wants 2.1 and they're going to make a financial decision on what they do next based on our appraisal, then we're not telling them 2.1. And I know some agents do, but it just doesn't happen that way. So because ultimately at the moment, 12, 18 months ago, the market might have gotten you out of trouble and the market might have pushed it above that, but we're not in that instance at the moment. So it's hard not to take it on and I'm probably not the best person to give advice on not taking it on because when I'm on the phone to someone, I am on the phone to that person and they get 100% of me. It is hard and there are some people hurting out there and it is what it is. And like real estate agents, some of us own houses. Like we're not adverse to the market ups and downs. We ride the wave. So there are agents out there that are hurting and it's costing more money to hold the debt that they were holding 12 and 18 months ago. So I, I fully understand, but it is also you've got to deal with the problem, not complain about the problem. Like make a decision to progress it forward in some way and then get on with that. And I read a quote once, it might have been something that I think you sent it out. It was like, Decide on what you want and then make a decision to do everything that is going to get you to that. So there's no use talking about the weather when that's going to do absolutely nothing for the problem that's in front of us. So let's deal with that. If we can't fix it straight away, do something to progress it forward to getting it to a fixable state and then move on, get on to the next problem because I can guarantee you there are going to be other problems. One problem today is not going to be a problem in six months. There'll be new problems. I always talk about future Luke. Like that's future Luke's problem. Like we'll deal with that later. We just got to be there. Just deal with it and get on with it. Well, yeah, it's interesting what you say because, you know, often we do tend to ruminate over things that like 
what someone thinks of us that they're not even thinking about us at all or different things like that. But I just want to pick up on something that you said a little while ago because it reminded me of an expression that one of my early mentors had. And the expression is, you know, every now and then a blind squirrel will find a nut because I asked you about, you know, where am I going to find my next listing from? But you also, I think in the same answer, said something about having a plan to nurture that database and things like that, because obviously agents have got a lot of names and people like that in their database. And even me, like I think I met said in the course, you know, like I'd much rather nurture a database than try and find a new listing from scratch. What are some ways that you would recommend agents nurture their database or, you know, even have a process of figuring out, you know, who might be ready to do something rather than, you know, like looking for the random listing? Look, and I think if you ask 10 agents this question, they'll give you 10 different answers. I've always tried to keep it as simple as possible. I'm a simple human and complication just doesn't do well with me. So there's a couple of things is like A, B and C grade sellers, A grades in the next three months, B grades six to 12, and then C grades are just uh, at any one time. That's the three categories of appraisals that I do. Buyers, I could always manage buyers better. I feel like as long as their search category, their purchasing criteria is in there, like everyone should have in their top three price ranges in their area. They should have 20 to 30 buyers on each list of those to keep a relationship with. There's got to be an outbound prospecting system. I talk a lot about outbound and inbound. Inbound is, hey, I would like an appraisal and there's a strategy and a process to go through. Outbound is the emails, the texts, the calls, the videos, the social media, the boosting, all those sorts of things. If you don't have a bulletproof outbound, you could have the best inbound system to qualify and progress. But unless you've got that outbound sorted, it's just not going to work. And I feel every agent that I've ever worked with except for someone that started brand new. Everyone's got a database, first of all. This is the first database you've got, A to Z. They're your contacts. First database any agent's ever gifted. Probably the only one you're ever going to get gifted. You've got to build it. And, you know, I've always worked on that once a month communication's probably not enough these days. They used to say sort of 10, 12 years ago, I'll just send it out a monthly email and that's enough. But I don't know about you, but I get a 1,000 monthly emails from MJ Bale, Hugo Boss or whatever it is, and then they bombard me. So we've got to be a little bit more selective, but there's got to be a mix of email, text, and phone calls in that nurturing system. And I think if you're not calling your database at least twice a year, you're not sending them a monthly email, and you're not texting all of the results that are relevant to them in a year, so call that 20 points a year, 20 touch points a year, then you've really got to work out. Now, people are going to say, oh, that's too often, they'll unsubscribe. Well, if they're going to unsubscribe, they're probably not interested in talking to you anyway. Now, I know agents that send out a weekly email the week that was you know, and they send it out weekly and they've got 600 people that they communicate that to weekly. Now, that's great. Now, was that database 600 five years ago when they first started? Probably not, but dilute down to the numbers of people that actually want to hear from them. Well, of course it did. So there's the outbound and the inbound is important. Inbound can be great, but you've got to have a bulletproof outbound prospecting system. And yes, there's referrals. And yes, there's people that will call you because they saw your sign and I get all of that. But unless you're communicating and, you know, we call it building a village, well, I call it building a village, Unless your village knows who the village real estate agent is, then there's no hope. So if they don't know you, they can't use you. Yeah. I feel a bit caught up in the momentum of this at the moment and that's really what happens, isn't it? It's like you get someone into momentum and then, you know, it's almost like that's when the referrals come and start happening and things like that. It's when, you know, when... I'll give you a scenario. I was with my team in Canberra, Michael, the other day and we went through a property and they weren't selling and they were on our database and we popped through and gave them an update and it was two years since the last one and we go, and they said, oh, just so you know, we gave your number to next door. They're getting a divorce and they would like you to, you know, we've given them your number. 
And of course, we asked if they had their number. No, they didn't. They just said they gave them our business card. And then two days later, they called us and we signed it up and we sold it a couple of weeks ago. But that wouldn't have happened had we not gone through and done the, I call it a C-grade appraisal. They're not thinking of selling, but there are a couple in their mid-60s that wanted to get an update on the property, on the price of their property. We went there, 10 minutes of our time. We sold next doors. Like That's just a rolling effect. And some people go out and they do a C-grade appraisal thinking it's a waste of time. Where that's where it's made. That's where the business is done. In front of people, if I go and see Sam and Sam's not thinking about selling, by the end of that 30-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute appointment, Sam's going to know that I'm the person to go to if she's ever thinking about selling and I'm the person to go to if any of her friends and family are and I've got a relationship to build there over the period of time to when Sam does sell. That's the critical part where I think a lot of agents look at a C-grade price update as a waste of time and they're just critical. They're as important as an A-grade in my opinion because that's first impression. You know, you're going to keep in touch and that's what it is. Yeah, you just reminded me actually of selling our office in North Sydney. Like the guy that ended up selling our office, he came and met us when we moved in and he knew obviously that we had just moved in, but he just kept in touch with us in a really non-annoying way for three years. (laughs) And in the end, we did get another couple of appraisals, but there was nobody else really in the running. Well, I think there's two questions there he or she had not have come and introduced themselves to you, you wouldn't have known that person. And there's three years to build a relationship. You didn't maybe necessarily know that it was going to be a three-year tenure in that office. You just don't know people's life decisions. You've just got to be there top of mind. And I really think that's like we used to talk about being top of mind 10 years ago and that wording's gone. Now it's all gone like attraction agent and all this sort of like you just want to be top of mind. So in something, you know, if you're whether in, Canberra, Sydney, Central Coast, Victoria. If you want to be the agent where people go, oh, well, oh, well we're selling, we'll call Luke, or we're selling and we'll call Sam. Like, just be top of mind. And you're not going to be top of mind because you put your face on a bus shelter. It's just not going to happen. It's got to be call, text, email, a combination of social media ads, community stuff. It's got to be all encompassing. Not one of those techniques is going to work on its own. You've just got to have it all sorted. And not necessarily that, like to send an email out to a thousand people doesn't cost any money. To send an email out to 12,000 people doesn't actually cost any money. It costs the time to put it together to send out. So everyone's got time. Everyone's got the time to do it. And no agent in the history of the planet that I've worked with has ever said, Oh, I've gone from X amount of sales and grown it to Y amount of sales. No one's ever done that when they say, Oh, no, I really doubled down on my admin. I just. I did more out. No one's ever done that. It's all about doing dollar productive activities, time allocated to outbound prospecting, a bulletproof inbound qualification system, and a momentum mindset. That's it. They're the categories. And look, I get quite passionate about it because I think this industry, we work in it every day and we can forget how awesome, how absolutely amazing this industry is. And it's given me everything and I owe it everything. And that's why I try and give back every time I can, or you know, as much as I can. But this industry is fabulous. Whether you're selling $700,000 houses in Canberra or $7 million places in Paddington. It's people. If they don't like you, they're not going to go with you. If they don't know who you are, they're not going to go with you. And there's got to be a strategy. There's got to be pricing conversations. There's got to be all of that. And it's an amazing business. And I think we sometimes lose sight on that because a buyer pulls out. Well, that buyer might be pulling out because they've just realized they can't afford it. So they've got their own problems. Our problem is we need to find another buyer. So everyone's got their problems and everyone's got their ecosystem that they work in. But that's the long and the short of it. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Everyone does everything for their own reasons. And you mentioned the bus shelter and I was just thinking, well, you know, if someone was sitting on that bus at the particular moment and decide to sell, 
then, you know, maybe that ad would be relevant, but in all other instances, it's probably not. Yeah. And look, I think ego gets talked about a lot and, you know, does my ego feel better about being on the bus stop or does my business feel better about being on? And that's the question to ask. If my ego is feeling better, well, that's great and that's good for you. And some people need their ego stroke, some people don't. But if my ego feels better, then that doesn't necessarily mean my business is going to be better. You've got to think about every agent. And we used to hear this years ago. It's like you're a business within a business and all those sorts of things. And for salespeople, that has never been more true. You are your own entity and you know, you've got to make it or break it. And it's all up to you. And I read something once or what saw a video. It's like, no one's coming to save you. You've got a decision. You can either pick up the phone and call 50 people and introduce yourself, or you could not pick up the phone and call 50 people. Like it's completely up to you. You've got all the choice in the world. So I think sometimes you've just got to maybe have a realignment meeting with yourself and go, right, what do I actually want to get out of this? And what am I here for? What am I actually here for? Because you can add a lot of value to someone's life and you can add a lot of value to your own, both personally and financially, if you come in with the right intention. Yeah, amazing. So speaking of coaching and mentoring again, someone told me that you've got a 12-week program coming out sometime soon. Is that true? Look, it is. Yes, it's been out for a little while. Look, I've had a few people come through it. and Basically what it is, it's 12 weeks. It's 12 one-hour sessions with some accountability and some tools and stuff to put into it. It's called Emerging Agents, for those of you who don't know. And it's basically there for new people in sales to actually get some sort of structure. And some principals and business owners have a really good internal structure, not taking anything away from that. I just saw in the market that I think every principal or business owner in the industry would put on someone else in sales right now if they didn't have to train them, right? And I don't say that because they're not passionate about training. I'm saying when you're a listing and selling principal, you've got all these things going on. And sometimes it's very difficult to train someone from scratch. That's why I put it together. It's a good platform. It gives everyone the skills, whether they self-select that the industry is definitely for them or whether they decide that it's not for them. It gives them the warts and all content about what is actually involved with being a successful salesperson and not necessarily saying that you want to be a million-dollar rider. This is the grassroots stuff. This is what you do on a daily basis. This is everything that you need to be aware of but also do. That It's not just open homes and golf and coffee. There's a lot more to it. So I've had some good feedback. I've had, you know, circa 100 people come through it so far and had some really good feedback, which is good. And like I said, coming back to what I said to you before, I was given really good coaching and mentoring from the start. And I am where I am, whether that's some people would say that's good or bad or indifferent. But I think if you don't have the right coaching, the one thing that I can guarantee is it's not going to work. So you need the right coaching, mentoring and guidance. And I use the word guidance a lot. It's not necessarily coaching. It's like, this is what I would do. This is what, you know, And that's where it's at. Based on this chat today, it sounds fantastic. Like, you know, you've almost got me wanting to be an agent, but no. (laughs) 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 No, I think I'll stay here. But Luke, it's been wonderful having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of your wisdom and knowledge. And gosh, I hope that people were writing fast then because there were so many (laughs) tips that you dropped. If there was one thing that you'd like to leave everyone with, what would it be? It's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. That's the best advice I've ever been given. It's not necessarily real estate related. Everyone's going through their own problems. Everyone's got their own things going on outside of work. Work is a big part of our life, but it's not the only part. And I know that after having a baby five and a half months ago, it shifts, you know, young families. It's everyone's going through a different stage of life, whether it's young family or no family or older kids. And if everyone's got problems and things to solve, but look, It's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice.
if we can all just be a bit kinder to everyone and understand that we're all coming from different backgrounds and different areas of life and everyone's got a different story, I think we can all get along a bit better. So that's my passing comment, Sam. Timeless advice. Luke Evans, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. And it's been really great catching up with you and I appreciate all that you do as well, Sam. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to Connect Now. To stay in touch with all things Elite Agent, sign up for our daily newsletter, The Brief, at eliteagent.com slash subscribe. 